Hey there, my name's Mark McCartney and welcome to the What Is A Good Life podcast. Over the last two years, I've interviewed over 150 people around this question, not to provide you with the universal answer, but to help you find and define your own answer to this question. On the 25th episode of the What Is A Good Life podcast, I'm joined by Jamie Crawford, a former CEO and leader of multiple media brands in Ireland who was diagnosed with MS at the age of 32. After his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, together they created The Good Glow, a wellness company with a hugely popular podcast and now a number one best-selling book called Glow to inspire people to live fulfilled and healthier lives. In this episode, Jamie takes us through the process of discovering he had MS and what he feels contributed to the diagnosis. He also shares the series of adversities he faced shortly after the MS diagnosis, losing his father to cancer and his wife being diagnosed with breast cancer several months after giving birth. We explore our sometimes unhealthy capacity to compartmentalize our problems and struggles and how it generally exacerbates our problems. And Jamie shares how he is grateful for his experiences and what they have taught him in terms of resilience, the changes he has made to his life, and for ultimately becoming more aware of what matters most to him in life, time and moments with his family and helping others. Whether you are struggling with something presently in your life, facing adversity, or finding it difficult to share your problems with others, this episode will provide you a plenty of inspiration, encouragement, and new perspectives, while providing plenty of reminders of what matters most in life. Jamie's story is a great example of the obstacle becoming the way, and I took a lot from this conversation, as I'm sure you will too. And if you enjoy this conversation, please like, share, and subscribe, and leave reviews on the podcasting platforms, as I greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the 25th episode of the What Is A Good Life podcast. So Jamie, thank you very, very much for joining me here on the What Is A Good Life podcast today. As I mentioned to you in our little pre-chat there, I became aware of your, your story through a post on LinkedIn and a bit of research on my behalf. So I was very excited to have you here today to have this conversation. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm privileged of seeing your previous guests and listening to a few of the podcasts. So I'm privileged to have been asked on. Really appreciate it. Ah, great stuff. Cheers, Jamie. So as you may be aware, then the first question I tend to ask, Jamie, is, is there a question you're trying to answer as you move through life? Yeah, I thought about this when I heard you ask it that on a couple of the pods and then um, I was thinking there's probably a series of questions that occur at various phases of life. You know, for me, prior to maybe the last five years, those questions were maybe externally focused or whatever. I'm definitely more focused on my internal world now, and they're probably internally focused, if that makes sense. And so that hasn't really answered your question, but uh, at the moment, my the, the, the question that's kind of coming to me most is how do I help people? Right. Um, and that's by by telling my stories and by sharing my life learnings um, over the last maybe 10 years. So to give you a bit of context on that, Mark, like um, obviously going way back, I was chief executive of a big enough media company here in Ireland, worked myself to the bone to some extent, probably working 14, 15 hour days, five days a week, optionally working weekends just because I felt like I needed to or I had to. I had this huge internal drive for success and thought that success meant cars, houses, nice things, as opposed to anything else. And I wasn't really focused, like I said, on my inner world. And I think that um, I drove myself into the ground and became quite sick. I developed multiple cirrhosis, um, I believe, through living a life with zero balance and having 
massive quantities of stress put upon myself all the time on my own back as well as coming at me um and then uh i sort of got my head around that a little bit and uh went to a good enough place a happy place sort of met my partner ended up getting married life was going in a great direction everything was good suddenly my dad became sick and died of cancer really quickly really suddenly um and then less than a year later uh we had a baby super happy day you know it's the best day of your life as you'll as you'll figure out uh, in in the coming months but um then suddenly seven months later the happiness was was taken away by my wife's cancer diagnosis so she was diagnosed with cancer and so that sort of however all happened over a period of like seven years in addition to leaving it leaving the job deciding to switch careers and go into tech a little bit had to leave that then because Georgie got sick and I didn't know where we were going. And, you know, you know, yourself, you're in a startup, things can get a bit hairy from time to time. So I left that career, went back to media. And then luckily things have started to go in the right direction again now. And our focus has been to take the life lessons that we've had over the last maybe 10 years together as a couple and try and uh, share some of those learnings in order to kind of help people. So that's a very long winded answer to your question. <laughs> No, but Jesus, Jamie, that's, um, man, that's a lot, isn't it? Like, you know, even, even when you're talking there about like, uh, you know, losing a father, then to the joy of the child, like to the, it it seems like it, it just, it seems like a kind of very kind of like, not a roller coaster, but like rough right angle turns consistently. Yeah. So yeah, again, I've been thinking about this a lot recently that like, the best analogy I can sort of put on it is I feel like life for everyone is a series of mountains and valleys. Um, yeah. And you climb the mountain and you get to the top and and, and you experience it all and you get to a, a good place, but you, you never really stay there for too long because inevitably, and if, if there is someone in the world who hasn't experienced hardship, then, you know, show them to me because I'd love to chat to them about how they did it. Um, <laughs> So if you think about the mountains and the valleys, eventually you're going to have to come down the other side of the mountain and then you're in the valley and that's the hard place. You know, that's where all the the tough stuff is happening and life can bring you into that place. And then eventually you work your way through it and and here comes the the next mountain, if you will, and you start climbing again and you get to a good place. So I probably am at that maybe a, a second mountain now in life, which has given me perspective. And I've gone through that hard bit in the, you know, coming, coming on the come down from the high of like I was 32 years of age. I was the CEO of two businesses. I was seen on the outside in very successful, looked like I had an amazing life, whatever, but I was working myself to the bone and I made myself sick and, you know, all that other stuff happened. And um, so I've gone through those bit, the valley bit, if you will, my wife getting cancer, having a baby, my dad passing away, all, all that happened in maybe a 14 month period. Um, and within that come the learnings and i don't feel like i'll experience the depth of valley in the next one if you know what i mean because it will come again but the depth won't be there because what i've gone through i'm actually quite grateful for to some extent and that might sound like a weird thing to say but um a lot of people have said to me that i'm 
unflappable and unfazable. Like nothing is really a problem to me because I've seen a lot and have been through a lot. So the small things in life that come along that may phase other people are actually to me are like, it's pretty easy to get through them. I've become quite resilient and I've learned a lot about resilience and adversity and taking on big problems that may be perceived to be big, but for me, there's always a solution. And, and it starts with you know controlling the controllables and focusing on that, which a lot of people don't know how to do at the time of something big or disastrous happening. Do you know, it, it reminds me of, um, I interviewed someone in the initial 120 interviews when they, they had to get a, an organ transplant later in their life, but they were born with, a, they were born with an illness um, from childhood. And so they, when they saw other people going through and getting organ transplants, um, they, they saw people just kind of fall apart but because this person had kind of been going to hospital from a young age, mm. they were able to handle the situation much more than other people around them. It's it's amazing just the, the sometimes the things that we're trying to obviously avoid in life, but how much, as you say, there is learnings or there is there is something to take from this experience as well. Yeah, 100%. I think that, that you know, it would be crazy to say that at the time they didn't seem like the, you know, the worst thing that ever happened. When I look back at them now, a lot of the stuff isn't the worst thing that ever happened because it's given me perspective. It's given me the ability to cope with adversity. It's been, it's given me a huge amount of um, understanding that the small things in life are the big things in life, you know, taking my yeah. daughter for a walk on the beach is huge being able to bring her to school you know every morning because of the adjustments and stuff that i've made in my life is their blessings and they wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that stuff so the perspective that i have on things is quite different and people kind of listen to me and think i'm a bit mad because i have that perspective but those are maybe people that haven't experienced the stuff that i've experienced or gone through the you know bouts of depression and things that i've had in my life that have come with these various huge life-changing moments um and they've just they've ultimately given me a bit and if i think that's what happens now if something else were to happen i know that in that moment i have to say to myself not this is the, oh my god this is the worst thing it's like you, if you shift your perspective on how you view a problem to okay what's this here to teach me what am i gonna get out of this when i'm through it then it becomes different approach to solving that problem your perspective shift will change how you actually approach the problem some people i think can get stuck in this is terrible this is terrible it's terrible it's terrible everything is terrible poor me uh, you know that kind of way and and it, you know i'm not taking away from anyone else's adversity but um you can get stuck there and if you get stuck there that means you're not getting through it you're not working through it you're just going to be there for a longer time than you probably need to be and just when you mentioned at the very start, this sense of that you, you, you made yourself unwell with the sheer level of work, is that, is that, is that the, the perspective that you're, you're taking from your own experience then with the diagnosis or the illness? Certainly. So, so MS is, is uh, so uh, ultimately an autoimmune disease and autoimmune diseases, well, most diseases actually come from inflammation in the body and the inflammation, uh, in my case causes your immune system to attack itself and basically attack your central nervous system which is your brain and spinal cord and um, so in my case 
I put myself in stressful environments all the time because I kind of wore stress as a badge of honor. And I was like, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy. Anyone ask me what how's things, I'd be like, so busy, so busy. Was I busy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reality, probably not. I just had no balance to yeah. sort of counter it. So I would work. Uh, I used to try and avoid the traffic in the morning. So I'd, I'd come in at like half nine, but I'd go home at half nine. Or I'd go in right. really early and then because it was five o'clock in Dublin, traffic would be so bad. I'd be like, I'll just wait here till about seven and then just cruise home half an hour. So I was in the office for 12 hour days, most days and doing weekend stuff, just optional, putting myself in a position to be stressed the whole time, you know, fight or flight mode. I was permanently in, um, there was no, there was no, there was no off button on that. It was just there. I could feel it. And then, you know, when you're in those situations all the time and you're, you're looking for outlets and mine was to like, you know, any free time I had, I'd be either out with clients or out at the weekend with friends trying to blow off some steam, which is definitely the not right, right type of approach when you're, when you're in those situations, but it just was what it was. Um, and that's how I thought I was dealing with it, but it wasn't. Do you know, um, when you, cause I, I obviously, uh, I listened to a podcast, which I'll send the link, I'll attach the link to this as well, um, that you did with your, your wife. And you were kind of saying though, that you really wanted to, you wanted to be working like, and you know, even there you're saying like, you're, you're ambitious, like what, what do you think is, what do you think was driving that? Like what, like this kind of insatiable appetite almost for the work or, or trying to achieve something? Yeah, I think probably that probably comes about down to, um, a lack of self-belief from when I was younger, maybe like I was never a super student at school. I was never, I went to private college because I missed my course in, um, in, in college and stuff like that. So I had to kind of go to where I got to a difficult route, but I felt like if I worked really hard, that's what success would mean. So in, even in the first, so I, I, I took a job. I was one of those guys that handed out the flyers for the company. Uh, on the promo team driving this pink mini around town um with like my david beckham-esque hair <laughs> and just and my ridiculous tan and i was like i'll take this job for a few months i have a marketing degree i'll just see if i can get into the marketing department and then i could see a pathway to like the marketing director position i was like oh there's not that many people ahead of me i could maybe work really hard and be for it with and work all the hours that I could and just be at anyone's beck and call um, and I'll get there. And so I was 23, handing out flyers. Five years later, I was sitting in the chief executive chair. I was the CEO. So I had worked really hard and put myself in a position to win all the time um, and pretty much sacked off everything else in my life to get there. Um, and maybe those five years put that in my head if I just keep going this direction then what's next and what's next and what's next instead of you know probably sitting in the moment a little bit and being like wow I I got there and yeah and and adjusting my approach so you know I was constantly stressed I was working so hard it was tough times as well as when the recession hit so the business had to be restructured in my first two years and I didn't know what I was doing at that point really yeah you know I'd have a different approach to it now and then and then, and then, so you you're working really, really hard, and then then you you 
you start to you start to feel like some symptoms and and then then like essentially your world starts to shift quite considerably or or how would you kind of characterize the the experience yeah so that so in on the 2nd of february 2012 i'll remember the day because it was it was the day our listenership figures came out so they were always in radio that's always it that's every quarter you get your figures and it's always a tough day you get a book to open up and it's literally like a, a full book of all the stats and you have to sit there and you and analyze yours competitions your sister stations you know compare contrast find the good numbers find the good story find the bad story tell the board the truth all that sort of stuff yeah. so you'd sit there so those, those were like a tense two weeks so always leading up to that i was always doing my prep work working 14 hour days to try and make sure that I had answers for all the questions that were going to come at me after those results, whether they were good or bad. Um, and I remember leading up to that, I was just feeling really tired, not feeling good. I'd had a few kind of coughs and colds and stuff, weird things that happened. Like I got this patch on my beard that just fell out and went completely bald on one side of my face. So like that was basically alopecia, which is your immune system attacking yourself. Um, so I got a little bit of that. And then on the morning after those results came in, it actually happened to be a really good day for the brand. Um, I woke up, I got in the shower and as the rain was hitting my face, like one side of it, obviously, could, like, or as the shower water was hitting my face, um, I could feel it. And this side of my face, I couldn't feel it. I was wow. like, that's weird. And then by the end of the day, I noticed that my hand had gone a bit funny and my I could, if I put my hands on my legs, I could feel one hand on one leg. I couldn't feel the other one really on my other leg. So my whole right side of my body had started to get a bit weird. I remember going to leave my office late that night and just the door was closed. So I went to grab the door handle and my whole, my hand missed the door handle and hit the actual door. I was just like looked down at my hand and it, it felt like, do you ever like squeeze something really hard and then let go and and that kind of have that feeling of not being able yeah, to yeah. move your hand? Pro- it felt like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I was like, "This is weird." We had a wedding the next day, so we decided we we're going to go to the wedding. Went, I, I felt okay the next day, but I still had these weird symptoms. I sort of had to really guard myself because, like, when I was again going to push doors open and stuff, I'd have to really concentrate on. I was like, "This is just something wrong here." Spoke to my dad, and he's like, "Just go to the GP and get it checked." Went to the GP, got it checked. He's like, "This could be one or two things. You've either had a stroke." Or you have MS. I, like in those moments, neither of those things are anything you want to hear. But he was really matter of fact about it. And he goes, look, if it's MS, I have a patient that was in here the other day. She's 80 years of age. I diagnosed her 30 something years ago. My doctor was quite old. And um, I was like, right, still not what I want to hear. But anyway, that thought always stuck with me. So I went and got brain scans and all that sort of stuff. And lo, I spent a week in hospital kind of high hidden away from work i kind of told people i was going away for two weeks um and i went in and by the fourth day they pretty much tell me yeah this is ms you can see the white spot lesions in your brain thankfully none of them were on my spinal cord because that would have caused like movement problems um and that was it and get on medication and off you go i remember asking the doctor actually like what's so like as i was leaving the hospital like what do i do now and he's like, just go live your life. Wow. And I kind of went, is that it? You know, have <laughs> you not got any other solutions? He's just like, no, just need to go go live your best life. It's like, okay. But the, um, 
just it's it's amazing even just even before you mentioned the diagnosis there like just i can only imagine the the ferocity which we you're approaching life with that even if you're you're not feeling something on your face or you're you hit the door with your hand or your hands numb that it's still just the mindset's kind of like let's get on with things like i I can check this later almost like yeah yeah i was always um quite like that like in terms of you know even if i played sports for a bit of an injury i try and play through it or i'll be i'll be fine when i'll be fine when i'll be i'll I'll just play through it and i'll be grand next week you know that kind of way or i definitely had that mindset of like i'll be fine i'll be fine um and like i'll never get sick but the weird thing is and i was talking about this to someone recently i always my whole life had this massive fear of having something wrong with my brain. Really? And I don't, I, like, I'm not saying it's linked or I manifested it or whatever you want to call yeah. that, but I always had a fear um, of that and it, it happened. Um, and thankfully, look, I'm well now and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I've adjusted my everything um, in order to be the way I am. Um, but um, it took a while to get there. Well, that's, um, yeah, just where I can't, I can't imagine at that age as well, just going through that process. Um, you know, I mentioned just when we started talking, like uh, I think it was around the age of 31 or something that I saw a a therapist for the first time and started to even remotely reflect on any of my stuff, Mm. uh, you know, and, and just how bulletproof I always projected myself in my twenties, like never admit an insecurity, march on with, with everything. Like I, was was this um was this even was this a, a a wake up call for you in the sense of um even shifting some of that for you or did you just try to double down on kind of still marching through yeah did you get so me? yeah no a hundred percent i yeah so I took the approach of well, I don't know how long I'll have left, and I don't know what course this is gonna take so all the things I want to do and achieve, I need to get them done now. So I doubled right. down on the work and sort of, you know, I, I had to, the only sort of daily reminder I had was when I geared up my needle and prepped the medication and then stuck it in my side and, you know, felt the freezing cold. The, the, the medication at the time basically made wherever you inject it almost like feel like ice in your body so it would go freezing for ages but that was five minutes so that was the five minutes of the day i reminded myself i have ms now outside of that i just buried it it was gone and i was just into go mode like let's achieve everything we need to achieve in this time so there's a couple of like big landmark moments we actually did get to achieve in that time so we got nominated as and we lost to BBC Radio 1, which was not a bad thing to lose, not a bad station to lose to at the time, at the World Radio Awards for Radio Station of the Year, which was huge. It was a huge accolade for a tiny, relatively tiny um, radio brand from, from Ireland um, to lose to, to like a state-funded UK radio station. Um, yeah. And then we won Media Brand of the Year in 2013 and started winning a load of awards and just doing putting Spain really on the map for the next couple of years. Um, and those are all big kind of career achievements for me. Um, and I just sort of said, this is okay. I can deal with this now and, and buried it. But that, you know, that to me, now that I reflect on that and I look back, that to me was 
really the first stage of the grieving process, which is denial. I was in denial for a very long period of time. And then I actually had a relapse with the MS. So basically MS works like the MS I have is called relapse remitting MS. So you you have a relapse or you have your first issue and then it goes into remission, basically dormant, and then it can come back. So mine kind of came back. I had the similar symptoms again, went for a brain scan. They showed new areas of white spot lesions in my brain. Um, which kind of shook me a little bit. And I had to change medication and go on a slightly more dangerous medication. Um, the next stage of the one that I was on, which is an oral medication, and I have to get blood tests done every every month and uh, mind my liver and kidney functions. But it's really effective, and I've been on that ever since, and I haven't had anything. But um, that to me then was probably a little bit of a wake up call to hurry up in life and start doing the big things. So then, you know, I proposed to my now wife, Georgie, we got engaged, got married. And that was when, you know, everything started to rise again. You're at the top of the mountain and everything was amazing. And the view was awesome. Literally, you know, we were happy, happy moment. And then then the sledgehammer of my dad getting really sick and dying, you know, a couple of months after our wedding um, was, you know, the next stage of getting bashed by life a little bit in that 10 year period. Well, man, there's, um, look, sorry, I, I know it's belated or whatever, but just sorry to even hear about your father, man, the way I, I wasn't aware of that. There's, um, there's something it's, it's, re- it's remarkable how you, you could still march on even when you were, you know, when you're mentioning even just the giving yourself in, injections um, and just even how pointedly, like, um, when, just as you're describing that, I almost feel like that free, like a cold patch in my skin. Yeah. Do, 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 yeah. Like, you know, it's not like a take a tablet or something. Like, it's, yeah. it's almost like this deeply pressing, like potentially present moment in, in your day. And then it's just like, right, compartmentalize and 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 get yeah. on again. Like it, it's I, I think for people that are listening, like the it's it's incredible how humans that we do this, like that we and, and, and this is obviously in in a, a very pressured situation for like, you know, in, in what you were going through, mm-hmm. but even on a smaller scale is how people kind of just compartmentalize something, move on yeah. and, and just try to, to to hopefully enough time passes or we just get distance from it or something like this. Yeah, I, I think and you know, I you talk about compartmentalizing something and I don't necessarily think that like as humans we should be doing that. I am yeah. the most guilty person of doing that. And you know, with this example that we're talking about now of me like I hid the MS I didn't want anyone to know I had MS because I was in a inverted commas position of power if you put it that way I was chief executive I was responsible for 150 people Um, I was seen as you know the go-to I didn't want to be the guy that you couldn't bring your small problems big problems or medium-sized problems with or uh, to with you know I was I wanted to be the leader for my team that anyone could come to me with anything and they didn't feel like, oh, I can't talk to him about that because he's got this thing or he's got a weakness. Yeah. And nor did I want to seem weak or um, different to other people, I suppose. Um, but I think that, you know, you if you suppress that stuff and compartmentalize and put it in a box for too long, that you're just going to 
it's going to end up coming back on you uh, down the line in way bigger than it is if you just address it and get it out there. I actually wish I talked about having MS way before I ever did. Yeah, man, like the, even when you're talking about this, there's things I'm thinking of in my life that I, I didn't want to face uh, face or or that I couldn't handle at a particular time and how mm. it almost could create a toxicity or a, or like a rot in certain relationships and different things like this. Like a, a, it's um, and even when we look back on our life, maybe even from a perspective of having a little bit more awareness or having walked the walked the path a little longer, I'm yeah. almost like, how did I never do that? But it's just it's weird, uh, isn't you know, it? I'd look I'd, 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 I'd I'd love to, I hate when people do this in podcasts because they shouldn't do it, but I'd love to get your opinion as to why we do that as humans. You know, so look, the the thing that you're making me think of uh, when you say that is um, my, uh, yeah, my my folks split at a young age and I, I always, uh, I, f- I felt a pain around that, I think. And, and when I look around back at my 20s, I created a narrative that my, my dad not being around never affected me at all, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because mm. you know, I, I I got on, I I studied hard, I I always kind of I did reasonably well in my career and stuff like that, and I always wanted to seem bulletproof. Um, I assume, it just from my own experience, I assume that like I I couldn't handle a certain amount of pain anymore, and then I think sometimes then we put it away, and then for a period of time it creates a gap. This is, mm. and this, you know, I'm not a psychologist or something. This is just my perception. So it does give you a little bit of a clearing initially. Mm. So there is like an incentive to keep it at bay. And then it just, I don't know, that thing just maybe it gets overgrown and then you almost have to surgically remove it. And just yeah. the idea of removing it then just gets so painful. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, and it's still out of sight. Do you, mm-hmm. do you get me? Like that, that would be my rough kind of thinking about these things because yeah. I do think there's a short term payoff. And then, I, I don't know, there's a, we just find a new way to find a new way to maneuver our way through life, even though maybe we're walking in a, in a different way with a different mm-hmm. gait now, but we've just got used to walking with that gait. Yeah. So we just kind of think that that's just the way it is now. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I definitely agree on you, with, with you on, on that one. Um, it's so interesting though, how um, everyone has something that they're putting in the box and not, uh, or a couple of boxes, maybe not addressing yeah. and not um, attending to, you know. And I think yeah. that does affect your mental health over over a period of time. Uh, Certainly, you know, I can relate to what you're saying there as well. My parents separated when I was uh, six, and yeah. um, my dad went off. And again, probably an element of the working hard was to try and prove myself. And like my brother had been very successful in his career, and so had my dad so i probably also wanted to just prove myself as well to him and you know in that way and my parents had an amazing relationship despite separating and were very close even until the end but my dad did ultimately leave me and i I probably felt like i had something to prove you know um but i definitely like you also said that didn't affect me at all but like now that i look at it it's so obvious (laughs) that it did it, when you, it's it's so funny like when you start looking at it and I, I do want to hear about your process but I, as um of how you've kind of got to a point where you're kind of at peace or even with opening up around ms and these things but just on that like it, it's so funny when you start to look at any of these uh tools or any even awareness or psychology or philosophy or any of these things and you're like 
ah, so my narrative was that my father, my father leaving the family has affected me not one bit. Yeah. Like, it, it, and and you know, there's probably going to be things in 20 years' time when I look back at myself as a 39 year old, where I'm like, and can you believe 20 years ago I used to think that, and I used yeah. to think that I was so aware. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. So maybe, yeah. maybe it's just a natural flow of things. But like, you know, if that's the thing if we're not evolving we're revolving so like the work that you're doing and the certain stuff that i do now you know on myself and with other people and stuff is to help people evolve and to try and create opportunity for people to express themselves and let stuff out because you know i think ultimately if you take my story i, I didn't share my story by the ms for a long time because i felt like I felt like uh, I think humans are like tribal, right? So I've, I explained this to a few people on another podcast. Like I think, and by nature of being tribal, we want to look the same, dress the same, talk the same, act the same. And I think when you get sick or you have a problem or you have whatever, you feel different to the tribe, and you feel like if you tell them, you'll be othered or maybe you know separated from the tribe. But actually, when you talk about it, all the tribe does is actually wrap you around you. You get, you become the center of the tribe and they wrap themselves around you and help you through it. But no, everyone fears that. And I think that um, if you can get rid of that fear, you'll get and share and talk small problems, big problems, and as much as they can and as much as people feel comfortable with, because no one is going to other you. And what actually happens is you work your way through the problem and you will find that the, the tribe only embraces you. Oh, man. Um, and look, it's it's all I think it's also quite telling um, just even speaking to another, I don't know, an Irish man about this, because, you know, growing up um, with just so much drinking and, you know, sports and all this sort of stuff like I always felt it was absolutely impossible to admit uh, an insecurity. Like it's everything shifted now with uh, with a lot of my friends, but there's something I don't know. All the times in my life, anyway, all the times that I feared saying anything to a friend at any point, just like and I love this sense, like the imagery, almost like the tribe not othering you but bringing you into the center. It's mm. almost like this giant collective coming together or mm. moment of support, and that's all I've ever. That's all I've ever received from um, male friends when I've told them about a problem, even when I was telling them something that would have made me insecure about my masculinity or something like this. Yeah, do, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? And it, yeah. so it's just like for people listening, it's all my experiences are literally the opposite of what I was fearing would happen if yeah. I ever shared something. Yeah, 100%. It, it, I, I'm like exactly behind you on that one. It's it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. In fact, it's the opposite, you know. So, Jamie, just when you mentioned then, like, you know, you you held on to this as a secret for a period of time, like what what started to help you, like, to kind of loosen up um, the kind of the the box that you were putting this in or or to just loosen or to make you feel a little bit more comfortable to get to the point where you were going to share this? Yeah, I think so. Initially, my decision to hold on to it um, and not share it with anyone, bar my closest friends, but like some of my family didn't even know, not my direct family, but like cousins and things like that didn't know, um, was because I didn't know, I didn't want one, to people to feel sorry for me and two, 
for people to other me and three i didn't really know what the course of it would be so like ms is is a variable disease in terms of its course it varies from person to person it can progress it can be slow it can come on really suddenly and then go away forever it can it it's just very very unpredictable um and it's only after a maybe a, a longer enough period of time you can kind of tell how it's gonna go um and you know separate point to that is the medication and stuff that's coming now is keeping people with ms much more healthy than they would have been 10 15 20 years ago even so um i kind of held on to it because i i didn't want uh people to see me as weak i didn't want people to see me as this that guy is has an illness like ms is uncurable and i i felt like okay i have this thing forever how is it going to work didn't want people to feel sorry for me whatever so i i held on to it um and i suppose after um my wife got diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 32 she shared her story and i saw um the tribe wrap themselves around her and i could see the support that she was getting from from other women particularly obviously um and i kind of said you know sat with that for a year year and a bit and i kind of said oh, i think i'll eventually share the story but i don't know when and you know it took another six months or so after that so it was only probably almost two years after she shared her story that i shared mine um and built up to be able to share it um and it was probably that was the catalyst though you know seeing that she wasn't outed or othered or people didn't feel sorry for her or you know she was getting inspiring stories from other people who had had breast cancer and who'd gone on and done amazing things in life 15 20 30 years later had families all that sort of stuff and um, so i kind of took inspiration from that but also at that point i had left the job that i had as ceo of spin and um i had kind of gone out to do the startup thing and gone through that and then that obviously i jacked that in because georgie left and i'd gone back to media and i was in another ceo position i was just a bit more kind of comfortable with myself and um stopped worrying about what other people might think and what other people uh perception of me would be and um, because i'd gone through my dad passing away Georgie getting sick, us having a baby, and my perspective on was less on, you know, what people thought of me and how I felt on the inside. And then, was this a case then, Jamie, of just like life events and just finding a way to to navigating your way through them that revealed more of yourself to yourself or were there their practices yeah. that you were embarking upon as well or, or how would you kind of uh, no, so I, that? yeah i i think um i spent some time in um with a therapist um went to counseling that definitely helped me um just give, gave me a, a different perspective and a different view and gave me some like techniques to deal with um, the anxiety that it would bring and things like that. Um, and I, what's the way to say it? I sort of over, over time started to get a bit curious um, 
about like new ideas and new ways of th- doing things. So spending yeah. more time in nature, being, you know, mindful of activity. I used to just go around the place doing things in a million miles an hour and not really thinking about what I was doing. Now I do things quite mindfully all the time, slowed myself down, made sure I give myself time, dedicate like hours and times of the day to exercise, to, um, like I said, mindful practice, being outside. Nature has given me a huge amount um, of healing, I suppose, through all the stuff that we faced over the last 10 years. Um, I spend a massive amount of time, um, deliberate time, if you put it like that, in nature, whether that's sea swimming, trail running, walking, hiking, be just generally being outside, digging holes in the garden. Um, that has given me a huge amount of um, just healing, yeah. And I think that combined with learnings and learning a bit more about the human mind and learning about human behavior and kind of the space that I'm kind of getting into now um, is bringing me a lot of uh, sort of more perspective and balance and giving me a practices, tools, techniques, and things like that that are helping me through it. Well, that's, um, it's, it sounds kind of unimaginable that you'd be in the place that you're in now, uh, without the diagnosis that you had. And, and I'm not, I'm not trying to silver line everything and say, oh, everything happens for, you know, in some yeah. trite kind of way like that. But it, it is kind of crazy. Like just all the stuff that you're saying that from the life that you were living to the, to what you started to focus on, um, yeah. and to the life that you started cultivating now. Yeah, like I think like my daughter coming along also gave me a huge amount to a huge amount of perspective and like she's my world and I I like, you know, it's amazing to see her blossom and grow and every day she says stuff that has me just so proud and has me laughing and has me going mad. Um, (laughs) But she gives me a massive amount and her coming along uh, um, has really kind of helped me sort of get through, you know, the bad days because they still come. Um, But it's, yeah, it's an amazing perspective that she's she's given and stuff. And I've learned how to sort of navigate life. If you can live, if you can, if you can get down on the floor and get messy and have mess around your kid and, you know, lo- let them bury in sand on the beach and do that sort of stuff. That's what living is now. And um, yeah, if I look back to when I was a CEO and what I was doing back then to what I'm doing now and the way I live life now, it's hugely different place to be. I kind of went off on a tangent there, Mark. Sorry. No, 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 you did. You did. You did not, man. There's a, isn't that just a beautiful image though? Like of what, like almost what a good life is now, like just letting your daughter bury you on the sand on a beach. Like it doesn't have to be very complicated, right? Like, no, it's, it, it's, it is literally as simple as that. And there's no, there's no, um, no technology involved in that and there's no um uh nothing but a, a set of hands and, and maybe a, a, a little plastic sh- a shovel or spade and she's throwing stuff at you and you're that's that is what living is you know and um, that for yeah. me is it and seeing her blossom and grow and have fun and you know sit down on the on the floor here and draw pictures of me and you know i woke up the other morning and I uh, came into the lounge and there was just a letter on the floor saying, I love you, dad. 
And I'm just like, <laughs> that, you know, all the, all the Christmas bonuses and all the accolades and the awards and all that, that stuff. At the time, it can mean stuff. And obviously, if you're very career focused, it, those things help. But when you get, you know, um, some perspective on life given to you, whether you wanted it or not, the moments where your kid writes a little letter and stick shoves it under the door, the bedroom door for you, it's there when you wake up. You know, those are the main, the the, the most amazing things. Do you know? Um, there was a there was a question when I did the initial hundred and twenty interviews. They followed a slightly different format than the the podcast interviews I'm doing. But I think people almost seemed embarrassed about when I asked them to recall moments of strong, uh, strong or seminal moments of fulfillment. They were almost kind of embarrassed with the answers that they gave, that they mm. were just, you know, for all these lofty things that we sometimes pursue. It's one fellow once said, like, oh, he left his cell phone in the car one day and uh, he had to just, he went to the playground with his daughter and he was completely undistracted. And that's just yeah. stuck in his head like a sore thumb, if you know what I mean, in terms yeah. of a moment of strong fulfillment. So, yeah, what you're saying, uh, what you're saying obviously resonates, I think, with a lot of other people's experience as well. Yeah. Just when you, when you mentioned, um, you know, coming through this remarkable series of events, like, you know, when you're talking about uh, your own diagnosis, um, you know, your your wife's uh, illness, the passing of your father, just rebuilding your life, all, all these different things, the kind of resilience that's required. And I love the way, too, that you kind of set it up that there's still tough days. Jesus, like we're still human beings, right? Like, you know, yeah. but, you, but you're also aware of almost this phase of going through the valley and coming out the other side. When just you mentioned at the very start this sense of um of helping others could you kind of give people a, a sense of then how that's that's taking shape for you now in terms of how you're how you're kind of processing or, or using your experiences in in the aid of others yeah so i suppose um a tangible example of that is during covid um myself and a couple of friends of mine um set up a men's circle we felt like okay there's no pub anymore where do guys go to sit and have a chat and actually is there anything meaningful happening when you're sitting and having a chat in a pub yeah those moments are needed certainly from a bonding point of view and all that but what if we created something that was going to be a little bit more challenging for guys to maybe come and talk and just share just throw throw it on the table whether it's big small or medium-sized problem just throw it on the table so we started a little men's circle that we meet up every wednesday and just sit around a circle and with a fire in the middle and like eight cavemen we were just sitting there but talking and a few people would share problems some people wouldn't share anything they just sit there and listen um and sometimes that's okay so we start that with um started that with a group of guys and it's gone on to be something quite big i've now left that but i'm doing my own sort of stuff now with georgie's brother actually and um, same sort of personal development based nature based work where we're outside and we're sharing um stories and um taking people on kind of journeys um of personal development and you know telling guys it's okay to talk it's okay to share problems with each other because you know like i said in the in the tribal thing no one no one really judges you no, no one actually cares you know people hold on to things i think because they think people are going to care or judge them too much but they they kind of don't they're too busy in their own stuff anyway to really um 
want to judge you normally when you ask for help people will generally help you so you know in those moments when you're sharing things you're actually probably asking for a little bit of help or just a bit of guidance or or another perspective on a problem you might have so that's probably an example of a tangible example of what i'm doing but and then within the good glow whilst it's a little bit more for female focused business i Georgie, my wife, obviously was a broadcaster as well, and I was in radio. She left. She created a podcast. It's the biggest health and well-being podcast in the country now, and spawned off the back of that is a well-being brand called The Good Glow that we do events, we do corporate well-being, we do um, coaching, we do um, what do we else? We do retreats, everything. Um, And at the center of what we do there is ultimately use both of our stories but more so georgie's maybe to help people my experience within my story of the last 10 years to help people and share um each other's stories and created we've created a really amazing community with you know over 100,000 followers on on instagram and um at the center of that is just a deep desire to help people and that is to me why the business has been so successful is that we deviate from that it it wouldn't be where it is now but like we're centered around like how can we help people what is what is creating a podcast about um whatever story say it's uh, someone being adopted you know if if as long as that content is helpful to one person then we've done our job so we if we anchor ourselves with that modus operandi that let's help people and um, because of what we've been through we know it's you know hard times um, and we know that's difficult for people but if we can create content at scale then it's definitely going to impact and help people's lives and uh, we get messages every day saying you won't believe even like georgie's new book um which took like six eight months of downtime to write and much to me banging my head against the desk saying we need to do this other stuff (laughs) she was determined to write the book but she wrote the book and the messages coming in about the content of the book are just phenomenal it's the number one book in the country now for the last three weeks Um, and we get messages every day saying i started your book got a message today saying someone bought it in evoca and started to read it in the car and they never went home they just sat in the car and read the whole book cover to cover and just couldn't put it down and the takeaways they've notes written and the massive takeaways from it so you know that's a, again another kind of tangible thing that we've done that has really worked and it's amazing to have that um feedback and to be able to get that um feeling of being able to help people i'm on that uh that whole thing between the the men's circles to the the development work you're doing then to the to the combination of work that you're about doing and that that and then to be coming from such a place of i'm sure despair at times or or pain or suffering like i i, I think it sounds fucking incredible to be honest so much respect to you for all that Jamie. um look just coming up to the the time that we're at now you know from everything that we've been discussing whether it's um you know, you initially said like the question is at the moment is to helping others, you know, you, you talk through your own experience of the difficulties that, that that entailed and even moving from this space of just go, 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 like uh, and living life in a certain way and and trying to seek success in a certain way and, and even potentially making yourself uh, ill to reflecting on that, to going through your own journey then of, 
of kind of handling all this adversity in life, you know, seeing life almost as a series of mountains, this amazing perspective then that, you know, sometimes I think people go to meditation or caves for years and you like, you just seem to have just had a huge, I don't know, like just a whole amount of life condensed into a very short period of time that you had to come through yourself then mm. to realize the value of community, of of family, of a child, of these the small moments in life, which are absolutely huge. Um, you know, being on the beach with your daughter and um, coming through um coming through your own journey yourself to be able to share your story. And then this beautiful idea of transforming that into just providing that as a, providing an outlet for other people mm. to not only hear stories, but even to share stories as well. Um, as I typically finish these conversations with Jamie, um, what, are, what is a good life for you, sir? A good life for me um, is um, a joyful life and a joyful life is, you know, um, is is the all those little moments that um I spend with my family um and my daughter and soon to be um we have a child another another baby on the way now via surrogacy. Ah congrats man. Which is a whole other story. But um <laughs> um unfortunately got we got uh with our surrogacy story to give you the top line of that we were due to do an uh, embryo transfer two nights before the war broke out in Ukraine so we had to stop that um and we've had to go another route now and we've we're, we're there um and um our surrogate is pregnant which is amazing so what is life those those moments uh on the beach you know sitting there just observing the the normal day with my family is you know that's that 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 is that's all it's about really um having a glass of wine with my wife out in the back garden on a, on a Saturday evening watching the sun go down. Those are the, those are the important um, times for me uh, now. Um, not chasing uh, anything really, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's, um, that's beautiful, man. And it sounds like it's, a, I, you know, like life goes on, right? So it's not like you've just arrived at a point and it remains as so forever, but it seems like you're you're arriving at a, a lovely moment or you're being in a lovely moment at the moment. So look, yeah. Jamie, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the What is a Good Life podcast today. Thank you for all that you've shared and, and for the inspiring uh, for the inspiring nature of your story as well, man. Very much appreciate Listen, it. Like I said at the start, thanks a million for having me on. Appreciate it. Um, it's a rare occasion that I do podcasts, but um, I like doing ones that have uh, a good sense of meaning and a good sense of purpose. So, you know, having listened to yours for the last uh, week or so on various runs I've been on, um, I've really enjoyed it. And congrats to you on creating a, a great platform. And like I said, I'm delighted to be a part of it. Cheers, Jamie.